Welcome to another edition of Purple Talk on NBC Sports California. I am James Ham, your host. Uh, my co-host, Mr. Doug Christie, is here, and we're doing this on Zoom as well. Say hello, Doug. What it do, man? How you doing? There is the Doug Christie. And then in our uh, third window today, we have the amazing uh, six-man, former six-man of the year, Mr. Bobby Jackson, Kings assistant coach. Uh, B-Jax, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? Good. You're in the practice facility. This is the closest, like, we, we can yeah. almost touch it. We can almost touch it. <laughs> hey, don't, hey, don't don't tell nobody that, man. We gotta edit this. We gotta have we gotta have that uh, background where it's like space in the space in the background. Oh, no. We gonna get it. We we gonna get Bobby in trouble. Is that what we gonna do? Uh, I think you're all right, Bobby. So, think- Bobby, let's just start with: Hey, how are you holding up in uh, in isolation with the way uh, you know? It's kind of how we start every show at this point, but. How have you been able to get through uh, this really crazy, uh, it's been about, what, 10 weeks now, um, maybe a little bit more uh, without NBA basketball, but uh, also without, like, basic amenities. So how are you holding up? I'm holding up good, man. You know, I think the biggest thing is, is you know, spending a lot of time with the family, spending a lot of time with my kids, uh, working on my basketball academy, trying to put out video content and um, – material and marketing for that so once everything gets back open that it gets to rolling but um and then two or three weeks ago they allowed us to come back in and work guys out so that's been a blessing because just sitting at the house not doing anything that's probably been the hardest thing but um, i would say the most rewarding thing is just being around the kids and, and then catching up and being able to have that time with them that i didn't have with them during the season Absolutely. You talk about getting back in, in the facility. Uh, how is it with working out with the guys? You wearing you got to wear a mask, gloves. They, they jumpers broke by now or what? Bro, you got to wear everything, bro. We Work? Got to wear masks. Got to wear gloves. Um, oh, man. It's clean, man. Um, they wipe down everything. Only one coach, one, one player can be on the court at the same time. And one player, uh, one um, – physical uh, therapist, and then uh, one strength and conditioning. Um, so everything is one, one, one coach and, and one staff member. So, but it's been great. You know, um, the normal guys have been working out as, you know, as is expected, you know, but when you take a couple months off and you try to come back and think you're going to knock down jumpers, that's an hour <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, but, uh, the most important thing is guys just building their way back into shape and um, finding their rhythm again. You know, Bobby, uh, we got into this discussion with Grant the other day, and Grant freaked out on me and Doug. Um, how, how, strenuous, how strenuous is the, uh, the sanitizing? I mean, are we talking about everyone has their own ball, or do you guys clean the ball? Are we talking yeah. about everyone has their own net? Uh, no, do you switch nets or uh, like what is what are we doing here? No, you're not switching nets. You're switching balls. They sanitize the balls um, every time a coach or a player comes on. Um, you got to wear gloves and a mask. Um, so once the gloves and mask, you're done. You just throw that away um, and then put another one on when you're walking out. Uh, it's been dope, man. I think. Um, the way they have it set up, the way the NBA has it set up is just allowing uh, guys to be safe and feel at home 
uh, but be in a safe environment. And then the cleaning is, is, is the cleaning crew has been phenomenal with cleaning the balls, picking up the towels, mopping the floors, um, just making sure there's a lot of distances. There's a lot of hand sanitizer, Clorox, Clorox, uh, Clorox, <laughs> Clorox wipes all around the place. Um, yeah. So it's it's I I think it's I think it's probably one of the cleanest environments in the city. You know, uh, Jax, when when you think about uh, getting back, I know this is the first time for some of these players that they've probably missed some time. Uh, do you think that they were surprised when they got back in the gym about being a little bit out of shape and how quickly things can uh, kind of deteriorate? Yeah, I, I don't think they're surprised. I think, I mean, the ones is working out and understand uh, the, the true meaning of it. And I think our guys are those guys that understand what it takes to, to be – pros and, and come in and and uh, have a great feel for the game but not miss a beat you know some guys probably took a couple weeks off took a day off um, but I think our guys have all our guys have done a phenomenal job with staying engaged um, doing their workouts doing zoom workouts when they can with the strength and conditioning uh, staff, um, but also doing a lot of ball handling on their own. Some of them mm -hmm. can't get to gym, so um, it's just it's just. I think some have been surprised about it, but uh, you know I think they expect that. You know they know yeah. it, um, and it, it, this is a great time to to get the rust off once they open up the facilities to allow these guys to continue to work on their game. Realistically, how long do you think? I know the NBA had talked about 25 days, 11 days of one-on-one -on -one and two-week training camp. If if everyone was going to get to play, meaning they just didn't take the top eight out of the East and West and let everyone play, how long do you think it would take to get them in some type of uh, game shape? Oh, man, that's a tough question. You know, uh, the biggest thing is you just hope that the guys have, like what will probably make our jobs a little easier is that guys come in the training camp semi in shape um, mm -hmm. and and the ball will be rolling from there now if you got guys that haven't did any run and I think that kind of pushes your process and progress back a little bit but you hope that the guys have been doing a lot of running and the anticipation of this upcoming finishing of the season is on their mind so you just hope that uh, most of these guys have have done a great job of conditioning themselves and, and for me, I it it really depends on the guys, Doug. Yeah, um, we can run as much as you want, but you don't want to run them into the ground, you know. Right. So you hope that they come in the training camp in decent shape, so you don't lose that type of momentum. I think anybody that's coming in off two months, you ain't gonna you gonna you gonna lose the momentum anyway. Yeah, uh, no it's gonna take some time to figure it out. The problem is you don't have that time to figure it out. You got to hit the ground rolling, especially for a team on the outside like we were uh, mm -hmm. three games out trying to get into the playoffs. When we get back, we just got to be on top of everything. And, and who knows um, what the format's going to be uh, when we come back. You know, Bobby, we know about half the guys are in the city. Um, are you able to actually get some running up and down? Are, are you running wind sprints with these guys? Or is it really at this point, like, look, let's get you in the gym a little bit. Let's get you in the weight room a little bit. Let's just get your legs loose at this point. No, it's actually a workout. Well, my workouts, 
in detail. I I, I kind of add some defensive slides, some, some full court actions, some pick and rolls, some drag. You know, uh, I try to make it as game like much as possible, um, depending on what they've done um, in the session before with the strength and conditioning guys. But I try to I try to provide a little bit. Uh, 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 of conditioning in my workout so the guys understand that coming back, that's what we're going to need. We're going to need fresh legs. We're going to need you to be able to shoot and defend um, through this fatigue. And so I kind of allow myself to work guys out that way. And, and that's just how I think. I think when you, when you do things where it's just spot shooting, it doesn't do, it doesn't, I want to replicate the game. You mm-hmm. know, and the game consists of, down and back, slides, uh, defense, you know, defensive intensity, physicality. So I just try to represent that once I once I get on the floor with the guys. You hear that, him? That's why I love Bobby. You heard it. He said defense. He ain't out there just throwing balls around. Jackson, nah. you know what? Uh, take, take me back. Uh, I always wanted to ask you this. I know how we felt at the particular time, but the, the day you got your six-man-of-the-year trophy uh, in front of Arco Arena – uh, the eruption was crazy. The love, uh, you know, as teammates, we was all proud and excited for you. But just the, the feeling of being able to uh, garner something. We didn't get the, the, the final thing, but uh, we were all proud for you for that. Oh, man, I, I think that's probably one of the best uh, achievements that I've had in basketball, you know, outside of having kids and um, watching them play the game, uh, especially for a, a achievement and award stance, you know, because a lot of guys don't really uh, get to achieve that award. And I th- again, if, if I could win an NBA championship, I'd rather have an NBA right. championship <laughs> than the six man. Uh, so it, it, it was a great accomplishment. I think the fans, which is they recognize and they still do, is, you know, I think the biggest thing I've always said this. All they want is you to play hard, and you understand that. Yeah, is to come out and land on the line every single night. And so when I received it, um, the ovation um, and the buzz still gives yeah. me chills because of um, <laughs> how excited the city was for me to win that award. Yeah. You know, Bobby, uh, we've all been watching The Last Dance. I don't know if you've got to watch the whole thing all the way through. Um, but I think the one thing that sticks out to me is – you get to see the inner workings of what was like a very, very complex dynasty. It's not just your, your cut and dry group of guys that are, you know, between Phil and Michael and all of the like complexities of those relationships. Um, we've seen you and your group. You're, a lot of you guys are still here. Lotte, Peja, uh, Doug. Uh, we see Scott come back all the time. We see Mike Bibby come into town. Um, it seems like you guys maybe – are as close as it seems is that just me or uh when you're watching that play out and you're like man they had some dysfunction going on <laughs> or, or is that, like did yeah. you guys also have dysfunction you guys are just much better at hiding it <laughs> nah. we didn't have anything like that man you know and i think um here's the thing i got two sides of it i think when you look at it you know the one thing is you know, Mike didn't care who he pissed off and who he rubbed the way, rubbed the wrong way to to win games 
and to come in with a competitive environment every single day. Um, I've heard he was a really good teammate, um, but I've heard he he could be a really bad teammate also. Um, so I think with us is we we allowed each other to police each other and, and hold each other accountable. It wasn't just one guy. I think we had a collective group of guys that held everybody accountable, uh, and, and we didn't feel like we was bigger than the team. Uh, and, and I don't know, like playing with Mike would probably he would probably be cursing everybody out. But I know for a fact, like me and Mike would probably be fighting in practice every day, Doug. <laughs> 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 hey, the, the stuff that he was doing with Scotty Burrell, bro. Oh, yeah, man. nah, you can't you can't do that to me, player. So. Um, but I, I, I love that there's so many things that you can take away from just watching the last dance and, mm-hmm. uh, his competitive drive, his will to win, um, his tenaciousness and fearlessness on the court, um, and his will to win two, three peats, um, mm-hmm. in the NBA. Like if, if, if I gotta be a bad teammate to win six, six straight, come Talk about Come on, it, man. You, I don't, give, about I, don't give, I don't care who you are, bro. Like, no. you better suck that shit up. Suck it up. Hey, we, hey, we hey. three for three. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? What trips me out, Jax, is I, I see when I'm watching when I'm watching it, and I, I hear how he's talking to people and different stuff, and it doesn't really rub me the wrong way because, like you, we would have got into it, yeah, but. Part of it, you and I, we we got into it. We that was to I I always felt that for me to go at you, to go at Mike, to go at that's the way that you show your teammate love. And also, I want to know that I ain't going into the foxhole with no punk when we get out there. You gonna <laughs> no. have my back. You know what I'm yeah. saying? No, that's real talk. Uh, I mean, I, I tell people this all the time, man. I, I was in Minnesota, and KG was kind of the same way. Mm. And I would be the only one in practice going at his neck. So, and at the end of the day, like you said, like you want guys that you know you can go to battle with every single day, whether it's in practice, whether it's during the games, like you want to know that this guy has your back. And if he going to back down from me or back down from any other team, man, come on, guess who else he going to back down from? Exactly. He's going to back down from the competition. Right. And I, I, I can't allow that to happen. So uh, I kind of understand that mindset. And, and for, for me, it doesn't bother me. It may bother a lot of people with how he talked to yeah, uh, Pharrell. But at the end of the day, you're a grown-ass man. Yeah. Handling your bit you know, like a grown man. Uh, because he, that makes you look like <laughs> you kind of saw. <laughs> you know what? You know the other thing that I that as I was watching that I was thinking, man, Mike, when we see him, we gotta say something to him because he passed on a lot of information to Kobe that we took on the chin. Because all oh, that footwork man. and all that stuff, man, you see some of the Mike. footwork Mike yeah. was dealing with, that's some nasty stuff, man. man. And that's what we were seeing that Kobe wouldn't have had if Mike wouldn't have passed it on to him. Hey, student of the game, baby. Student of the game. <laughs> like, he took the best players' repertoire and added to his. Oh. Added a little flair with it. And, oh, you, know, you can't even be mad at him. Like, if, if I had to do it again, I'd probably do the same thing. Oh, no doubt. I, like, if I, want, if I want to be the greatest player in the NBA, why am I going to go 
work out by myself or go work out with the, yeah. the my homeboy. Like I want to yeah. learn from the best player in the yeah. league that that's been that player for 15 years strong. Like yeah. nobody has done or accomplished what this guy has, has accomplished on the floor. Six straight NBA titles without Ooh. a loss. Ooh. Five time <laughs> MVP. He probably should have had six or seven. No doubt. Yep. Easy. Eight, you know, yeah. easily. So if I want to learn something like that's like, but now guys don't want to do that. Guys don't want yeah. to go work out with guys that they know. But it's, it's like, man, I don't want to, like, it's called, like, I don't want to steal his move. Like, that's part of the game. Yeah. I want an advantage. Like, I need yes. to know that advantage that's going to allow me to beat you every single night when I step on the floor. Um, yeah. So it, it's good to see uh, the last dance and how it's depicted, but whereas when and, and the knowledge um, that he shared with so many guys. And again, like I said, I don't take anything bad from it because I've been on mm -hmm. floors and I'm used to MFs and no doubt. soft and yeah, you better bring it. You better bring it. So, like, if you go, if you're gonna talk to me, it just no, it's coming right back. So, I, I don't have a problem. I think that's, I think that drives a competitive environment and allows guys to thrive at the highest level. Hey, hey, you know, Bobby, I talked to Bobby on the golf course, but I ain't beat him yet. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Give us a rating and review. That always helps. Uh, we'd also today like to give out a special shout-out to a big Kings fan up in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Brett Huff underwent a surgery over the last couple of days, and we just want to send well wishes to Brett and his family because we know how these things are a strain on everyone involved. And now let's get to a word from our sponsor. When it comes to keeping an eye on your business, Bay Alarm brings the best, like networked video surveillance systems, so you can view your security cameras from anywhere. It's one more way we keep our eyes on what you prize. Because if your security's not the best, you're not secure. Go to bayalarm.com slash NBC Sports for a special offer to all new business customers. Now, more than ever, Bay Alarm. ACO 2ACCL 880138. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Doug Christie, James Ham with Bobby Jackson. Now, Bobby, you talk about how uh, how you don't think that players now that they're doing that. How do you how do you grab a De'Aaron Fox and say, "Look, man, go spend a week this summer with Chris Paul and, and learn from really." While he, you know, he has his, his pluses and minuses, but one of the great minds in the game today, go spend that time. Or, uh, you, know, you know, you could send all of these players out to go work with some. You bring up KG. Man, if I could get Marvin Bagley to work with KG for a week or two weeks during the summer, like I know a lot of players used to go to Hakeem Olajuwon and do one-on-one -on -one workouts during the summer. Uh, like, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you – I mean, you're an assistant coach – uh, how do you promote something like that? Oh, no, that's a tough question. I think sometimes some of it, Ham, has to be driven from within the player. Right. Um, as coaches, we can do as much as we can, especially as offseason. 
like and most guys don't want to be bothered in the offseason. I didn't want to be bothered with no nobody, no coaching staff in the offseason. So eventually that's something that as a player you gotta be willing, like, man, how can I take my game to the next level? And with De'Aaron, you know, I know he's working, I know he's grinding, you know, and that's part of being a student of the game. And I think social media has messed so much, so many things up for guys because the more followers you got, the more independence you got, uh, and the more confidence you got that you say, you know what, I don't need to work with him. I can work by myself. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I got all these followers. I got I, – I'm a pretty, really good basketball player. Uh, but I think some guys still do it and some guys don't do it. I, but I think it's a mixture. Um, but I think in, in Kobe's and in, in, in Mike's eyes, you know, learning from the best uh, is phenomenal. And, and who's the best players in the league right now uh, at their at they positions um, that's going to allow you to grow and get better? Like, who's going to be the best point guard? Like, I'm, if for De'Aaron, I'm going to look at who's going to be the best point guard. At the time, Kobe and Mike played the same position. He was the best – he was the best two guard. So it was mm-hmm. easier for Kobe to have that relationship with him uh, and, and learn the, the ins and outs, how to be a great two-guard, mastering the footwork, understanding how to create better angles on the floor. Um, so it, guards are different. So I think you hit it on the head. Darren has to pick a guy um, that's been around for a long time. Chris Paul has a lot of knowledge. But that, it has to come from that guy, though. It has to definitely yeah, it does. the guy. It can't come from the coaches. Yeah. It, it, you know, and also it's, it's about uh, the willingness to study because, you know, it, it, he didn't, Kobe didn't do everything with Michael. He learned from him, but then he also went back into the lab. He sat mm-hmm. down, he watched tape, he looked at footwork and creating space and creating contact and angles and all those things. That's, that is, uh, do, do we have studious players? Yeah. I think we yeah, have studious players. Do I, I don't know if we have players that, go and mimic other players. I got you. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I haven't seen that. And, and, and that's still um, something I got to see and observe. Uh, but I know guys study the game. Do Absolutely. they study other players? I would say they probably study other players, but do they study their moves? Um, mm-hmm. And do they study how they create and become such great scorers from in the paint, off the dribble, floaters, pick and rolls, pick and roll mid-range, pick and roll threes, catch and shoot, you know. So do they study that aspect of the game? I don't know. But I know they study the game because you have to study the game if you're at this level at some point. Um, And I think Kobe took it to another level, though. Uh, And I think that's what set him apart. He took Mm -hmm. it to another level. He took some knowledge from Mike, but he also continued to watch film on him. He took some knowledge from other – um, shooting guards and applied it to his game. So I think the biggest thing is you can always learn how to be a great ball player from so many different, so many different players. It's just what you want to achieve with it. You know, Bob, there's there's many levels to uh, to the game, to being a teammate, to being a team. And one of the things that I don't know if I we've talked about it before, but I don't know if I ever asked you. Uh, because I had never experienced this with a team. You know, I've experienced people's parents have passed away and they leave the team and they go to a certain place. Did you ever know that the team was, that we was coming to to your mom's uh, 
funeral? No, I didn't. I didn't know until that day. Ah. I didn't know until that day. Um, I think Jeff called me. It was like, yo, we're going to, like, the kid, the team is in Atlanta. We're going to take a flight to Charlotte. We're going to come down to your mom. It happened to ha work out. I was like, what? You know, Rick gave you guys a day off, and you got everybody came down and came to my mom's funeral, which was amazing. That was, uh, hey, man, that was one of the most galvanizing moments that I had man. ever. I, I knew right then, like, uh, past basketball, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I had never experienced that. That was some powerful shit. Oops, man, that was that was <laughs> that was so powerful, man. You know, especially me being away, me hurting myself. I was having probably the best career, best career yeah. of, of best year of my career. Absolutely, and I went down with an injury, and thank God, I, I, I you know, I always think things happen for a reason, um, and it was a sacrifice that I, I sacrifice basketball like the guy was showing me like you need to sacrifice basketball to be there for your mom and Absolutely. i was there for for our last last two weeks uh on our deathbed and, and i think that was such amazing honor for me and i'm still thankful for that day because i don't know what would have happened if yeah. i'm still playing and i'm not there with right. her yeah uh, but then you guys show up and, and it showed me the brotherhood that we had and the commitment um, that the organization showed, not just towards me, but mm -hmm. towards the players. Like, our teammate, our family, we're, he's going through something right now. We need to be that yep. one. It was such an honor, man, uh, that the organization and Rick really uh, took his time to come down on that day off and, and come be a part of that. Now, Bobby, you played for other franchises. It is that the closest you guys have uh, to family that you've ever had playing basketball? Uh, I would probably say, I would probably say like we was really close in new Orleans, uh, with me, Chris, um, Chris Paul, Tyson Chandler, um, Mo P, uh, David West. We was really close in Janeiro Pargo. We was really close in, in, in New Orleans, but no, not closer than we were in, in uh, Sacramento. It was, just, I think, anytime anybody had an event in Sac, I think everybody came out and support. Even like birthday parties, like it was, it was from like it was crazy um, how much love and how much support uh, we showed each other. Like Vladi and Webb having their own restaurants and. Uh, just having that ability to go visit and, and spend time with Mike and his family and uh, everybody was just the love um, that we had. It was, it was, it was uh, unbelievable. Hey, do you think that the, uh, the players understand quite, because we haven't had the experience in golden one center that we had in Arco arena. Do you think they understand what the fans can bring them because they've never ran out on the floor and had an explosion like we used to have. No, nah, I don't think they understand what. Like uh, once we once we get this thing going, they gonna they gonna they gonna see a different side of Sacramento <laughs> that they ain't never seen before. Uh, but I don't think they understand it though. I think yeah. it's a, it's a different feeling and then it's a different energy um, and a different vibe that no other arena, no other town has. Uh, but I think the biggest challenge for us is um, working our butts off to try to get back 
to where we mm-hmm. were in 2000, 2001, two, three, four, five, and six um, to bring that joy and excitement back to the city of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. You know, Bobby, uh, Carl, Carl Malone has been, I don't know, making the circuit or, or vocal over the last couple of days. And I know he had said uh, that Chris Weber was one of the handful of players that he ever played against that um, he thought had more talent than him, that he had more talent than Malone, uh, but was never able to realize the talent or the consistency that he was able to. Um, you guys can both talk to this, but number one, does Weber deserve to be in the hall? And number two, what kind of teammate was he to you guys? And do you understand what Malone means when he says stuff like that? Or is that just Carl talking Carl Malone stuff? No, I mean, what I, I mean, without a doubt, Chris was probably a more, more talented player than Carl Malone. I think Carl had a more, for me, I think Chris was way more talented than him. I think, Carl had a more polished Hall of Fame career. Uh, and, and you're going to run across guys that are way more talented than uh, a lot of the, the Hall of Famers, or you're going to run across a Hall of Famer that's way more talented than the guy that's getting uh, more uh, publicity. That's just how it works. But uh, Chris is probably, like, again, I think one of the most talented big men I've ever seen with his ball handling, his shooting, his passing, uh, and, and, and also a great teammate. You know, I think he, you know, he had his times where, you know, he would get in your ass and that was okay. Um, but I think that's what leaders do, you know, and everybody enjoyed playing with him. He uh, set the tone for us and he, we knew he was our guy. And he ran with it, and he accepted the responsibility. So, and I think with him, I think he is a, a Hall of Famer. You look at his numbers, you look at his careers, he didn't win it. You know, he didn't um, win an NBA championship here in Sacramento, but he allowed us the glory, and he gave us um, the, the gust of wind that we needed um, to be relevant in, in the early 2000s and 2005s. I think if he didn't have uh, that major knee injury, man, I think mm-hmm. the guy him is for him, you know. I think you, you would even be like, yo, he's one of the – he's probably one of the best power forwards to ever play the game. I've never seen anybody that once he came back off that injury, he couldn't practice because the knee was mm-hmm. – Man, he would come out and give you 2010 like it wasn't nothing. And he wasn't really moving. He didn't have the explosiveness. Like, just imagine if he was healthy and he was, he he had the lift, the the damage he would have done. And it sucks that um, that he got hit with that 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 terrible knee injury. But you know, he's he's very well deserving of of being a Hall of Famer. I would agree with him, Ham. I think undoubtedly Chris is a Hall of Famer. And when you talk about him as a teammate, one of the most powerful things that I think when I think of Chris Weber is Chris could have been our teammate and he could have, instead of averaging 24 or 25, he could have averaged 30 and been selfish, but he was the unselfish piece of the puzzle that as a star, now we knew sometimes, like Bobby said, he, he would, uh, it, it was time to get him to basketball. He'd get that look on his face because we done jacked up a couple shots, so we'd 
bring it down, throw it to him. Yep. But even I, during that time, when we set a screen for each other and we cut, if we're open, he would still pass you the basketball. So he set the tone of being unselfish. And I think that that speaks to who he was even more. But undoubtedly, in my opinion, Ham, he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. All right. So uh, we can't keep you all day, Bobby. I know you got to get out of there and get, get back uh, – Maybe so they can sanitize that place yet again. Um, <laughs> they will be. Hey, trust me. <laughs> it will. Uh, but hey, um, you know, there's a lot to this. You guys being here in this community and the way that you guys have worked it out. Uh, this was a good season for the Kings. It started off rough, uh, and, and it kind of went sideways, you know, in the beginning. But it seemed like you guys were rolling. And, and I know this question got asked. Uh, Grant asked this question, Doug, the other day. Um, the players that you've spoken to, Bobby, the players here in Sacramento, do they want to finish this season? Do they want to finish what was started? Or is this one of those situations where there's fear, there's too many things that have happened, uh, there's too big of a break, and you know maybe we just reset this thing up in, in October and, and you know, and forget that the 2019-20 season even happened. You know, honestly, I think the guys want to play basketball. Uh, I think they want to play in a safe environment, though. And I think – and I know the NBA would do a great job with uh, a lot – putting us in a great environment um, and, and allowing us to be safe. And it's, not, it's just not us being safe. It's everybody being safe is the, the people outside of the NBA. They got, we got to take them in, into consideration also. So I know the guys want to get back and play. I mean, because they've been doing it their whole life. You take two, month, you take two months off uh, from a season. It, if you're not ready to play, something's wrong with you. But I think every guy really wants to get back. They want to get back into the swing of things um, because you miss it. And it's, it's a part of your life. It's a part of your, your, your body. Um, you got a family and a close-knit family and brotherhood that you've been a part um, throughout the season. And nothing's better than getting back on the floor uh, with the guys uh, that you love going to war with. So I'm pretty sure the guys definitely want to want to get back and play. All right. Well, hey, Bobby, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, we're, uh, we're excited to see you back at the practice facility, the players back at the practice facility. It looks like things are going to start heating up even more. Uh, we're starting to see some mentions of dates, possibly June 1st is a date that uh, players will be summoned back. Uh, it looks like July 1st around then might be a time when the, the league starts to really fire up. And uh, so I, I think there's a lot of positivity. Um, we just hope that everyone out there is safe and, and that you guys are able to uh, to pull this thing off and, and have no hiccups and uh, no major setbacks. So thanks for joining us. Uh, Doug, do you have any final thoughts, final questions for Bob? No, nah, I'm good. All love, bro. I'll see you soon, man. Be safe. Uh, love to the girls appreciate and the family, homie. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. Thanks to Bobby Jackson. Thanks to Doug Christie. And, of course, thanks to John Wilson, who's on the backside, uh, helping us produce this night. So, um, for these two wonderful basketball players, uh, I'm James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the Purple Talk Podcast. Go Kings. Peace out.
To protect your fleet and your reputation, there's the Michelin Agilis Cross Climate Tire, Michelin's most durable, heavy-duty, commercial light truck tire ever. Visit business.michelinman.com slash professional services to outfit your fleet.